listening to Throw the Podcast, brought to you by ThrowTheX.com, the very best in mediocre wrestling journalism. And now your hosts, Jay Gunter and Ben Conrad. Now, for those of you that can remember, the the 90s were really considered the golden age of wrestling. Um, It it was the time frame where we had WWE going face-to-face with WCW. It was, um, you know, I'm not going to give you the the full story because if you're a wrestling fan and if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously are. I I mean, you know most of of the story anyway. But Ted Turner got kind of mad at Vince McMahon for not letting him in the, the wrestling business, so he decided to start his own. Uh, he's famously quoted as saying, hey, Vince, I'm in the wrestling business. Uh, he, he basically took a smaller promotion and promoted it into the WCW that we all know now, you know, the, uh, the NWA, the Eric Bischoff-type WCW. Uh, they ran head-to-head with Vince McMahon and his WWF on Monday nights, you know, the Monday Night Wars, uh, WCW being on TNT, and uh, WWF mainly on USA, you know, a couple different networks there. But um, I bring this up for a very good reason. And before I get to that reason, I want to bring in someone to help me with it. And I, I know you're thinking I'm going to say Ben Conrad here, but... Ben's a little under the weather. I talked to him earlier, and um, I said, you know, Ben, we, we know you don't have a face for radio, but today you don't even have a voice for it. So he's out. So 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 no Ben for this podcast, but I brought you something better. I, I brought you the operator of Wrestling News World. I, I brought you the brains behind the site. I brought you Thomas Fenton. Tom, how you doing, buddy? Doing great. How are you? It's been a uh, uh, it's been a long twenty four hours for me. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, I can only imagine, and and that's what I want to get into you, get in with you. Um, so I talk about the the Monday Night Wars. Uh, they went on for a long time, and WCW actually led as far as ratings go throughout most of you know that time frame. Uh, it it kind of ended when Ted Turner uh, lost control of you know, his network and wrestling wasn't seen as a priority anymore. And then of course, WWF ended up buying WCW. So TNT is now back in the wrestling business. And this is something that you actually broke quite a while ago, but now it's actually public. It's been announced and I want to get your thoughts on it. it. And of course, I'm talking about AEW who has announced that they will be appearing on TNT and possibly a little bit on TBS for their uh, weekly programming. Yeah, so I don't think it was any secret to most people that AEW and Turner were in talks for a long time. Um, they were so deep into talks that even on March the 30th, I had wrote a story in regards to AEW not going with Fight TV for their streaming service this time, Double or Nothing, and that Double or Nothing would be exclusively streamed on Bleacher Report, which is another another affiliate of Turner. Um, today, obviously, at the uh, TV exec up front out in New York at MSG, um, you know, it was, it was early. It was one of the first things they did. Turner showed off the elite, you know, the Young Bucks. Kenny Omega was there. Cody Rhodes was there. Hangman Page was there. Tony Khan was there. Um... They introduced the product. They said it will be returning to TNT, 
live two hours this fall. They will also have a separate program on Bleacher Report, whether it is a news type program or a recap type program at this time is unknown. Okay, and and now we have a lot of stuff that we got to get into on this because this, this is kind of fresh. I, I know, like you said, you talked about this a long time ago, but now that it's been made official, I don't think there's a whole lot of details out there. Like, uh, we still don't know what day it's appearing, right? No, as of right now, it was still not finalized whether that deal would be on a Tuesday or on a Wednesday. They were going back and forth. The reason why the Tuesday slot didn't work was because of TNT and NBA. Um, both companies are looking at what they can do moving forward that best situates both individuals between Turner and AEW. Okay, so, you know, best guess, they're, they're not going to go straight up head-to-head with WWE right out of the gate. They're not running on Mondays. I don't know why um, some people may have mentioned that. Mondays was never, ever, ever an option on here. And and that's that's the next part of this I really want to talk about. Um, so, you know, I've been on Twitter, and I've been reading a lot of stuff, and, and people are liking this to the Monday Night Wars, and I, I know I opened up talking about the Monday Night Wars, and to be honest with you, the, the similarity, similarities are kind of striking. I mean, you had Ted Turner, who was a billionaire, and this time you have Tony Khan, who was also a billionaire. Uh, the, the networks are kind of the same. It, it has the same kind of feel to it, but I just don't get why people are thinking that AEW, right off the bat, is going to be able to compete with WWE. I mean, there's no chance of that, right? I, I think for a lot of fans, and I've talked numbers up and down on other podcasts about fans and where fans were and whatnot. And in 2010, there was around 8.5 million wrestling fans watching each week. You know, we're, we're almost 10, re, 10 years removed from 2010. However, TV viewership numbers aren't simply the same across the board. They're not the same for the NBA. They're not the same for MLB. And we all know they're not the same for WWE. So when we look at numbers, we have to start thinking to ourselves, all right, well, what's competing and what is successful? Because I'll tell you right now, successful is making money and doing above a 1.5 viewership number because with the exception of the NBA, TNT has very little products in time, and I'm sorry, in prime time that are doing above a 1.5 right now. Now, some are going to say, well, doesn't 1.5 sound low? And I think 1.5 sounds realistic right now. When And maybe even on the high end. We're talking, WWE right now has 1.81 million subscribers to the network, right? Your diehards of your diehards. Their ratings right now are around a 2.3 million in their viewership on a really bad product, but 2.3. So I'll, I'll ask you, Jay. What do you see this product doing come the fall? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, when you look at TNT's currently current programming, um, they're doing anywhere between a one. Uh, I, I saw a two for a couple, but even that was, you know, kind of stretching it. It wasn't a solid two. Um, for me, I think if you get a solid one million viewers, and I'm not talking about the first week, I'm not talking about the second or the third, because, you know, that this is a new product, and I think that you're going to have that, that new car smell, if you will. Um, 
the challenge for AEW is going to be to hold on to those people. They're they're going to tune in. They're going to watch. I mean, if you remember TNA, when TNA switched to Mondays, uh, when they went head-to-head with WWE, when they had Hogan and Bischoff come on, their first couple shows did great numbers. That was uh, uh, some of the best numbers. Yeah, that was 2010. Those were the numbers that I was referring to because for us to discuss and talk this, two different companies, the last time it was done was obviously when TNA Impact and WWE did that. That's a lot of wrestling fans that have gone away. Now, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of those wrestling fans, truthfully, I think there's probably a quarter of them that still may watch occasionally, may check out a Ring of Honor, an MLW, an AEW, a New Japan type show. But kind of the ones that were ran away by WWE, or for that matter, ran away by Impact if they were strictly Impact fans. It'll be up to them to continue to build. And they have to capitalize on the under-35 demo. And I think that's what they're going for. It is one of WWE's worst demographics. They have no way to capture younger fans. Most companies that involve live sport do not right now. I think AEW is going to try extremely hard to hit as much of that demographic as they can, knowing that is their long-term fan. Their job is to build this product over the course of 8 to 16 months. And then where are your ratings at at that point? You know, where are your ratings going to be this time next year? Those are more important numbers because we all know a show, once it comes on, like you had mentioned, those first three weeks, okay, it might be appointment viewing and then fans may go away. For them, it's that slow, steady build that they need to continue to increase their fan base and create compelling storylines characters that people matter and care about yeah and and that's why i'm going to go back to that that one million point that that i was talking about because um going back to tna i mean tna did great numbers the first couple weeks because people it it was new it was fresh some it was something that people wanted to see and then after they viewed it for a week or two they realized that the product itself was garbage and they quit viewing and so if, if you look at tna for those first two weeks tna was doing great if you look at them after that, it, it was a nosedive. And AEW needs to get past that first month, that second month, that third month. And just like you said, they need to start. They they need to really work on catching the attention of all those people, especially the the younger generation, and being able to hold them for a year, for two years, you know, to make this profitable. I mean, absolutely. Again, it's it's, it's a long term plan. So part of their ideas with Bleacher Report, and and it has been since Turner bought it, was try to c- connect with the younger fan base. Not not with wrestling, that was not their intent. Their intent, obviously, was with basketball, with soccer, and trying to get football eventually. They're going to use that platform to the best of their ability, and all those millions and millions of marketing dollars to try to attract that younger fan on those different platforms, on the different social media, on the apps. They're going to go after that hard. And then the flip side of that will be the video game aspect. AEW is making absolute no bones about it. They are going to go after the video game market hard. They see this market as one of those markets and one of those demos that is continuously growing. But they want to give those fans something they may not have seen before. So if they can pull them in with video games and get them watching the product, they're going to try that route too. Okay, and... 
and yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned them trying to connect with younger fans. Um, one of the things that was said, and it's, it's still yet to be seen because everybody has to remember uh, their original show wasn't technically an AEW show. The, the all or nothing show. Yeah, was it the same people behind it? Absolutely, but this was before they had a vision for an actual company. Well, and all in, so all in was is... produced by Ring of Honor as well. We have to remember. So again, like you had mentioned, it wasn't their show. You're not insulting them. You're just stating facts. All or nothing was produced by Ring of Honor. Yeah, and and technically it was a one off. It, it was something that Cody Rhodes wanted to do to prove that you know he could get the fan base behind it, and this upcoming one the double or nothing now this is being produced with the uh, with the a company behind it this is being produced with eyes towards the future which the first one really wasn't if you think about it it, it was supposed to be just you know a one-off so with this upcoming one um there's been a lot said about what's going to be different with this company how how is this company going to differentiate themselves from wwe and some of the ideas float around um, by all the guys behind it where it's going to be more sports-oriented. Uh, they mentioned wins and losses will matter. They they mentioned uh, a ranking system, um, almost a UFC-style feel to it. Is this the direction that they're still looking at? They're still looking at tons and tons and tons of options in regards to the sporting aspect. It will definitely have sport aspects into it. I know today in New York, the Warner Media groups, you know, kind of introduced them as live matches each, each week. They didn't say live shows. They had mentioned live matches. However, it is also under the TNT drama umbrella, which I found interesting, and not the TNT sports umbrella. And that's how it's been advertised, and that is how it's been branded on TNT's social media platforms as of this morning. Yeah, and, and they also called it a league, which I found interesting. You know, it, it does look like they're going to try to tap into that more of the sports than the entertainment aspect. Yeah, it, it again, like you had mentioned, it, it'll be different. And those are all details that while they have ideas and there's information they could go, I don't know if there's a final, hey, this is what we're doing when we go to TV. Because, again, we're going to have many months between double or nothing in 10 days and then tv in the fall okay and so let's go off on an assumption because that's let's be honest that's all we can really do right now is assume because like you said nothing's been finalized how they're going to actually do things um we we don't know what kind of company this is going to be yet but let's assume they do for go for that sports realism uh let's assume that wins and losses actually matter things like that do you think that that is going to work? I mean, do you think that that's a good way to run a wrestling company where if somebody takes a loss, it's going to actually affect them? I mean, it's traditional wrestling. I think if you book it the right way and you talk wins and losses, you know, traditional wrestling booking, the heels almost never won. You know, the babyface went over almost every house show for the most part. They went over the big matches, the big main events. So to me, if we're doing it, a point system type thing. I don't know if heels and faces, even at this point in 2019 work, if we're talking a black and white perspectrum. If we're looking at a baby face or a heel, you know, what are they? Is it clear? Maybe they're not going that route either. Like, I know they're pushing Jericho towards that heel role. And sure, you'll have monsters in your company, and then you'll have crazy, you know, demeanic characters, 
But is there going to be that fine line and separation between a babyface and a heel? When you look at a ranking system, it would make more sense if there wasn't that fine line. But again, I don't know. You know, I do know this. From a athletic standpoint, you're going to see things on that show that we've probably never seen before because they're working on it now already. On that show, you're going to find camera angles that you never knew you wanted before that they're looking for now. It will be different. It is not going to look like WWE Lite, which Impact and TNA tried to do. And it is not going to look like Ring of Honor, who never wanted to break through that glass ceiling and kind of be bigger than they were. They're going for broke on this. I need everyone to know that it was never an option for them to be the number three company in the world. So. Yeah, I mean, so when I hear sports realism, when I when I hear them talk about this being a league and, you know, they have athletes and, you know, a win-loss system and things like that, I, what I'm actually hearing is that they're going to be really light on gimmicks. So WWE, their bread and butter is gimmicks. You, you cannot watch a WWE show without 75% of it being filled up with gimmicks. And when I say gimmick, I mean... You know, you're you're not going to see the the weird, funny stuff that you see on WWE. You're you're not going to see them, you know, wanting to bury the revival because they're outspoken, you know, and catching them shaving their backs and stuff like that. Um, I, I do see saying, them going you're saying for like the toilet humor jokes. You're not going to see, yeah, yeah, or, or the weird matches that you look at and you're like, you know, this doesn't work. This is just a time filler. Um, I see them more more promoting actual matches than they do the the gimmicks surrounding them it'll have a big fight feel man i'm telling you that and i will tell everybody that now they are going to want to have the big fight feel they are going to promote these cards such as that to have that big fight feel i think moving forward too with aew i will not be shocked if some of these cards we only get like the top four matches announced and it does have that bigger boxing mma style feel because they want it to be more sports realism as far as the gimmicks and stuff goes i mean we see funny things on being the elite every week but being the elite is not going to be the television program sure there may be aspects of being the elite you know produced into the television product however the television product is not going to be a two-hour live being the elite with matches in it it simply isn't that is going to be another aspect and layer they use with the company with the being the elite things which They'll just use it to promote the show later. Okay, so you're thinking more more like the, the NFL has with Hard Knocks. More of uh, it's going to be a show that is just attached to the product to kind of, you know, enhance it a little bit. That's exactly what Being the Elite will be moving forward, in my opinion. Um, what platform it's aired on moving forward, I would probably assume... That would be on Bleacher Report only to help them, but I don't know because they do have a great following on YouTube at this point, and they can also always produce something else for Bleacher Report. So they they have many options when it comes to that. Yeah, and I, I think they have a real opportunity with, with YouTube. I mean, I know me and you talked about this a long time ago, back when WWE was still in negotiations with Fox, 
and I told you the best thing that they could ever do was to get a deal with YouTube to air NXT because YouTube they they put up some numbers man as as far as viewership goes YouTube is free YouTube anybody can click on YouTube it, it still has ads in there so there's still there's still a revenue generating kind of deal with it but you are instantly accessible to everybody everybody knows what YouTube is you can ask anybody and they know exactly what you're talking about when you say YouTube it's interesting you mention YouTube and I'll, and I'll say this on other pods I've really been trying to push home how challenging it is to build a younger fan in any sport, but especially in wrestling, and here's why. In 2019, 12-year-old little Johnny is not clicking the up and down channel button on his remote control, channel surfing. It simply doesn't happen. Little Johnny's going to hit his DVR button, he's going to want to watch the shows that he knows are on there, and little Johnny probably doesn't watch TV live either, it's probably based on the DVR. Or, if little Johnny fires up his iPad, guess what? He's not searching for new and exciting product. He has his apps, he has his games and his videos on there, and that's what he's looking at. So for WWE, and this is why I was speaking prior to AEW, for WWE, the goal was start putting ads in these kids' videos. Start putting ads in these kids' game apps. Show them the product. If these kids are never seeing your product, you're never giving yourself a chance to, a chance to grab them. And obviously we know they're not coming to your shows because attendance at house shows is the worst it's ever been. So if we circle back to AEW on this aspect, a lot of the things they're already doing with the YouTube and the channels to attract those fans is great. But they're even going to need to get a little younger than they already are. Because even what BTE is missing and what AEW is missing is that under 13 demo they also don't have yet. So they're also going to need to find a way to grab them. You can't just have the 13 to 25 demo. They're going to need those kids who in two years will be teenagers to mature with them and the product. Okay, so, and, and that's another... I'm glad that you brought that up because I think WWE really missed the boat on that. So WWE creates the WWE Network, and you know they they need content for it. So they create all these silly little shows, swerved and and all that other crap that they do, and it's not accessible. No, like you mentioned in the very start, the the people that you know subscribe to the WWE Network are people like me, people like you, people like Ben, people that just you know need the wrestling content, and that's not little kids. You know, mama and daddy aren't going to sign, you know, seven-year-old Jimmy up for for the WWE Network. Very rarely, at least. I mean, I'm sure there are people out there. But if they would have put that kind of content on YouTube, you know, that's something that kids can view. That's something that kids can look at and get attached to. Absolutely. And I am in agreement with you when you mentioned that and, you know, how WWE did it. And I think another thing that, and I don't mean to stray away from AEW too much, but when you look at that WWE Fox deal, the reason why it's so appealing besides the billions of dollars they received, they're on Fox proper. That is a channel surfing station. That is a station that you can grab a new fan every second. You're going to lose some fans on there just being on Fox proper and the way the show is produced. However, you should be gaining fans at around a 30% clip more than you're losing them on Fox proper based on homes that have the channel based on homes that may not have that full package but they're gonna have that fox proper on every single tv in america 
And I think that's really important when we're talking about trying to get a new fan. Yeah, I mean, you're right. And so you speak about demographics and um, AEW really needing to capture that younger demographic. Is, is it safe to say, and I know that, that nothing's been reported, I, I they probably don't even know yet, but is it safe to say that AEW is going to stick with that PG-type programming so they can get those advertising dollars and, you know, try to get that younger younger crowd base? Sure. I think, um, you know, you mentioned that. I think it's a great question, and I'll kind of leave it at this. I think in this day and age on TV, we see what WWE is able to get away with from a PG standpoint. And I think if we push the envelope of that far in AEW and we use that same standard of this is what you can get away with, they'd be fine with a PG image. They would be fine because there's nothing else they're going to need to do. You know, blood doesn't necessarily put you over into TV 14 demos. And you're not going to see blood every week. I'm just saying if we need to see color in a big time match, that's likely going to be on pay-per-view anyway. So what really would we need? Well, we don't need cursing so much. You can cut a good promo without swearing if you want to. Um... Or can we just bleep it out and that keeps it a live sport? You know, how do you rate the NFL because it's a live sport? It's not a TV PG. Are you going to give it a TV 14 because of the hits, because of the language some people use? There's ways around it, like you'd mentioned, and that will be an interesting topic. I just don't think they need to push harder as far as a language usage or a sexuality usage at this point. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. Um, you mentioned them getting pushes, and I, I think a lot of the the reason that previous independent companies, your ROHs, you know, your Evolves, things like that, have never really taken hold in the United States is a, a lack of a push, specifically a financial push. Uh, they really don't have the money backing that WWE does. And now you look at AEW, and they have Tony Khan. They have a billionaire. And not only a billionaire, but an actual wrestling fan billionaire. I mean, this is a guy that admits that, that he's been a wrestling fan his entire life. Um, the, the specifics aren't out as far as TNT goes. I don't even know if they're actually making any money from this TV deal. And I mean, it is know. possible... Yeah, but but it is possible that they are paying for their, their time slot, right? Um, I'll say this, okay, and this is kind of where I'll leave it. With, with AEW, I don't think it was an, and this is an opinion, this is not a fact, um, and there's some facts behind it. When people were mentioning pay for the time slot or pay for TV, there's so many different options and so many different layers when it comes to paying for something. AEW handing Turner money and saying, put me on TV, wasn't ever a thing. There were other deals on the table. It wasn't, hey, this is what we want. We're going to pay you whatever you want. Is it possible that AEW had to front that ad money for, let's say, the first year or two of the contract, and then they get it back as the ads sell? That's possible because it covers everyone's end and it's making a guarantee on something. But that's just AEW investing in themselves. That's not a negative. That's saying, we know we can do this. We're willing to front whatever we need to because we're going to make this work. Okay. And so, like any new business, uh, you know, Tony Khan's a billionaire. He, he, he knows him some business. But like any new business, you have to assume that you're going to lose money for a little bit. 
Um, AEW isn't going to be profitable right out of the gate. In, in your opinion, because I know that you love the business aspect of wrestling, what, what kind of time frame do you put on this in order for it to be considered a success? How long before AEW turns a profit in order for you to look back on it and say, man, this was a great investment? The plan for AEW is to be in the black by the end of year one. By year one? By the end of year one, their plan is to be in the black. Man, that that blows out my three-year, and I thought I was being kind of nice with it. We have to also remember with, with everything that AEW has the highest per person head for merchandise in the history of wrestling. That's an extremely important number when we're talking 2019 and what people are willing to pay for products. Almost every one of their fans at a clip of $48.32 per show. That's Those are crazy merchandise numbers. Well, ex- especially when you consider, I mean, most of these people weren't mainstream people. You look at Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, things like that. Were they huge in Japan? Absolutely. Um, did they have a pretty decent following in the United States? Yeah. I mean, you, you really couldn't go anywhere without seeing some sort of, you know, elite shirt or Kenny Omega shirt or, or whatever. And so that's only going to, what now that they actually have a company in the United States that's centered in the United States, that, that is based in the United States, that's only going to increase as far as the ad, or not the ad revenue, the, the merchandise revenue goes, right? Oh, absolutely. It's more and more as these characters become popular, you're going to notice twofolds because it's trend in a society. You're going to have some of those diehards jump off the bandwagon saying, oh, you didn't like it when it was underground. Now it's too mainstream. I don't like it anymore. Again, that's just reality with any trend. You're going to have those people jump off. However, you're going to be adding so many more people on to that bandwagon of, oh, that's who Kenny Omega is. That guy's really good. Or that's the Young Bucks. Those guys are super cool to watch. They're fun. I really like them. Whoever it may be, of course, it's going to continue to push more merchandise because it's exposing those people to more fans. Yeah, I mean, they could go the way of almost like a merchandise-wise, like an NWO. I mean, because if you remember when the NWO happened, um, people started wearing their T-shirts, and like you said, it became a fashion trend. Absolutely. You had people wearing NWO shirts. They didn't even know who the NWO was. They just were really into it. And, and obviously— You know, they, they saw the shirt. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't want to cut you off, and it's, it's unfair for us to sit here and compare AEW to NWO, and that's not what we're trying to do. But we're just bringing up that shirt aspect. This is the closest in 2019 anything is going to get to how hot that NWO was with merchandise. That Again, that's just the reality. But if we look at that NWO merchandise, it was everywhere. It was at your major retailers, at your Kohl's, your Pennies, your Macy's. It was in Target. Like It really was everywhere. It was a cultural phenomenon that every store had that merchandise. And it shows you, too, how much money fans were willing to spend and how many more fans there were then. We're talking 10 million wrestling fans a week at that time. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm I'm not comparing the elite to NWO. I'm not comparing AEW to old school WCW. I'm not. I'm just, for for comparison's sake, when we're talking about the t-shirt, that's what I remember about the NWO. I remember that you couldn't, you know, walk outside without seeing somebody sporting an NWO shirt. And it's not because they were a huge wrestling fan. It's just because it was a trend. It was a fashion at the time. 
again, by the end of that too, if you remember, and this is during the death portion of WCW, you had every variation, color, version of that NWO shirt, whether it was the LWO, the Wolfpack, the Splits, whatever the hell it was at the time. So much money was made off of that. But, I mean, the Bucks with the Bullet Club images, and obviously New Japan took some of that, wasn't all theirs, and they will make more with the Elite based on them owning it. They're going to continue to pump out merchandise sales. But, again, it will be up to them to build it long term. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, it all starts in 10 days, like you said, with Double or Nothing that, that you're going to be covering live from Las Vegas. So, Double or Nothing, we know that they're going to have a casino battle royale that the winner is going to be given a future opportunity at the title. Um, what we don't know yet is if there is an actual title match going to be taking place. And that's my question for you. Is there, and if there is, what match do you think they insert that into? There, there's no title match taking place at Double or Nothing. Um, the winner will have an, a title opportunity. They may speak on behalf of a future title, but that title will not be part of the show whatsoever. So they're not going to use their their first technical pay-per-view as a, a way to you know get their title going? No, what they want to do, in which I understand the mentality behind, they want to build towards TV. So they kind of want their title type thing to climax while they're getting hot and while fans are watching. They don't necessarily need a champion going into TV. They want those fans to see how that champion earned it and how they got there. Okay, so but do we see storylines start to materialize during this, or is this just going to be a fun show to watch? I, I think you'll get the storyline perspective of, okay, well, whoever's winning the Casino Battle Royale it should be a little more telling as to where they're going with the title picture. You're going to likely wrap up the feud with the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers on the show. Um, you also have Hangman Page and Pac, which they've been building that match for a while. And then, you know, towards the top of the card, we've got Cody and Dustin and Jericho and Omega. So, I mean, the card's great. It follows every storyline of being the elite, but because it's not a weekly television show at this point, to your mention of how are the storylines going to work, it's one of those things you have to continue to watch and continue to piece together for yourself. Okay. How, how long do you think it takes them before they actually have their television product out? I mean, it's not going to be the week after, you know, uh, double or nothing. It's going to take a little time to get this off the ground, but what, what kind of time frame do you put on this? Um, the television deal for AEW is debuting the same week, the same week that Fox is getting SmackDown in the fall. Okay, so this is a, look for this is this a October, I think, week two project. Okay, and you know, what a great time. It, this is actually the perfect time for AEW to be doing this because, um, you know, there's a lot of turmoil going on in WWE. They're they're losing followers left and right, and I I think it would be hard to imagine. It, there's going to be a lot of people out there that that still watch the WWE product just because, like Ben said last week when we were all on, there, there's people that watch wrestling just because that's what they know to do. You know, there's oh, it's Monday, I'm going to click it on, and. I'm wondering how much, how, how many more fans WWE is going to lose like that now that they have an option to go to. I don't necessarily know if they're going to lose fans from the start. And the reason why I say that is because it's on different nights. So from the start, I think people will watch both. 
I think ultimately what will dictate if they lose fans is going to be that fans' mindset of is is it okay for me to invest five hours in wrestling even before Thursday comes around for that particular week? Or if you include NXT, is it okay for me to invest seven hours of wrestling before Thursday happens? And those fans are then going to make decisions based on that. They are going to say, huh, do I, which one do I like more? And I think that's when you'll start losing fans or seeing fans happen. So for WWE, probably not until after the first of the year. Will we really see that clip maybe towards the end of the year is where I think you could see that clip of fans falling. Okay. So, and I know we're running short on time, but we normally insert a little segment called uh, Cowboy Conrad Shoots from the Hip, where basically Ben peppers you with a bunch of weird and out there questions that you have to answer on the spot. Um, unfortunately, I'm not nearly as creative as Ben, mainly because I don't drink nearly as much as Ben does. But I do got one question for you. It's going to be, uh, I don't know, Jay's one question. I'm going to get with Ben. I'm going to have him, you know, give me some really cool title for it. But you are Tony Khan. You, you are... Uh, Rhodes, you're your Omega, you're all these guys making the decisions. You're told that you have one more contract for AEW. You can pick from any promotion in the world. Contracts don't matter. You have one guy that you can bring into the promotion that you think is going to be a difference maker. Who do you got? That's such a tough question. That is such know, a tough question. So let's, let's look at... Man, this question might take me five minutes to answer. Um, so under your premise here it does contracts don't matter it's any worker in the world to add to the company any single one contracts so don't my second thought would be okay how long term do i need this to be to make the biggest hit does the person need to be younger do they need to be older am i building my company around them I, those are all thoughts i would i would think about um mm -hmm. i think up there for me and, and granted you're putting me on the spot there was not a lot of thought behind this uh for me though I think the top three that I'd, I'd likely be choosing based on everything you mentioned and that long-term success would probably be Okada because I think I can get enough Japanese fans to watch my product to help spike ratings and really bring that culture to the U.S. and it fits who I am. If I want outside the box, I just want to pay a bunch of money for somebody who can draw in any sporting aspect, you have to look at Brock Lesnar. He draws for UFC. He continues to draw for WWE. His quarter numbers on Raw, whether you like him or not, are fantastic, according to the company. That's another type of guy where it has that immediate impact, that immediate household name, too. And then from a wrestling standpoint, like a U.S. wrestler who I think could really put them over the edge would be Seth Rollins because I think he also could fit every criteria for their company. He's young enough to where you have five to six, seven, eight years more of that top-tier body out of him. He can talk. He's very familiar with every wrestling fan throughout the country. He can still work. I, I think for me, those three would probably be up there, Jay. I think if I dug deeper, I may replace one or another, but on the spot, likely those three. Now... If you want to hit me with, okay, if I can add somebody legally who's not under contract right now, I, I'm i adding CM Punk, and I'm doing this to complete what I started. What did I start? I started a wrestling company to compete with WWE. I then put it on TNT. I went the Turner route. 
So now I have a company competing against WWE, which is on the Turner Network. What's what's the next ultimate step here? Well, it's to sign CM Punk. It is to sign the one guy that WWE cannot get to come back. The one guy that still has some household appeal. The one guy that still likely should probably cash in for a year or two while he can. Um, that's an opinion. That's who I would be going after. And that is no insult to to John Moxley or Dean Ambrose, who may or may not be a free agent. But if I'm truly talking moving the needle and giving some shock value and bringing in some fans who may have left since 2010, CM Punk's my guy, and I'm pretty much blank checking it for one year, and I'll deal with the consequences later. I'm not saying sign him to a five-year deal at an absurd amount of money, but I would be blank checking him for a year at this point because I think they can get the money out of it. Yeah, and honestly, when I was thinking about this question earlier, uh, CM Punk was one of the first, you know, people that popped in my mind. The, the only problem I had with CM Punk is he is up there in years, and as far as building a company around him, sure, I, I think it would be kind of hard to do. Yeah, like you long, mentioned, long in the, term in the beginning. Not there, yeah, mm-hmm. yep, yeah. But you mentioned shock value, and I got a name for you. I got names for you, actually. Um, what about like an undisputed era? What about a little Adam Cole? You could actually have Undisputed Era come in as almost an NWO style to feud with uh, the the elite. I think that would so, be a great so, pickup for them. So again, like under your premise, you know anybody you're picking, a contract or not, guys. Jay's not breaking news here, saying if we had to pick somebody to add to the company to really affect it or give it a cool storyline. So you're representing the Undisputed Era on this one. My issue with that is you gave me the original question: if I could add anyone. And while we both enjoy the Undisputed Era, they put on great work, it would be a great angle. I have to start attracting fans that may have left before and are going to know that person's name. Unfortunately, they're not going to know who Bobby Fish was if they left wrestling five, six years ago. Um, It's unlikely, at least. See, and that's why I ask the questions and you answer it because I don't think I don't think ahead of time of stuff like that. I just think, man, if Jay was sitting around not doing anything on a Wednesday, what does he want to see? He wants to see him some undisputed era versus some elite. Yeah, I mean, if we're talking what we want to see, I want to see Marty Skrull kick out Adam Cole from Undisputed Era on NXT. But these are just things we can't have, and I want it done the yeah. exact same way he was kicked out of Bullet Club. But hey, yeah, I mean, and, and I'm I'm really glad that you threw out there that I'm not breaking news because I don't want a Twitter storm. Like, remember back in the day when, which is one of my personal favorite stories, when when you went on Twitter and you broke the news that AJ Styles had agreed to terms of a contract with WWE, and AJ Styles came on and and you know quoted you and said, "Really, that's that's news to me." Now you never said that AJ Styles signed a contract. That's not what you said. Now, everybody jumped on your back and said, oh, you don't know what you're reporting. You don't know what you're talking about. Lo and behold, a month later, it's reported that AJ Styles signed the contract that he agreed to that you reported about. Um, and that's all I can think of is is people going online saying, oh, hey, uh, Jay Gunter from Throw the Podcast says that, all, you know, uh, Undisputed Era is going to AEW. What a moron. They're under contract. He should know better than that. You know what's funny? It's unfortunate, and um, I'm not going to plug anyone else, but there's a certain daily um, wrestling show, and it happens to them all the time. They will talk, and someone will literally pull a quote from one of the two of them out of nowhere, completely change said quote, and now we have a different story in which the first quote could have been, 
hey, one of the ideas talked about was this. Well, we all know there's 8 million ideas, right? But mm -hmm. then when a third-party site gets it, they write, hey, they're this is the plan, or this is what they're doing. Where it's like, no, that's why everything happens and the snowball effect happens and whatnot. Um, I did think it was cool, though. No matter all the reporting online, the only fake and BS news coming out of the AEW television was when those reports came out last week that it, Double or Nothing was going to stream for free on YouTube or on their their um, different social media platforms. And I came out right away and said, at no point in life are they giving away Double or Nothing. They are not going to upset their cable providers as well as the pay-per-view providers who are charging people between $50 and $65. They would never give it away. I said, furthermore, it's not on any of those platforms. It's on Bleacher. I stated this on March the 30th. Nothing has changed. Now, besides yeah. that bit of information, pretty much the AEW deal, as was announced today and we talked about for this whole show, it was kind of cool that there wasn't a lot of BS between it. We all kind of knew it was going to happen or at least had a little idea. Yeah, and, you know, welcome to the age of social media, man. People can grab that and just run with it. I can't wait to see Thomas Fenton reports CM Punk signing with <laughs> AEW here here pretty shortly because you know that's going to end up popping up. So, but, um, Tom, man, thanks for taking time out of your busy day. I, I personally, because I'm not going to be able to go to Vegas. I know you talked about Ben. You, you know, you might drag Ben as, uh, as your on-site reporter with you, but I'm really looking forward to what you bring back from there because, you know, you do have a unique perspective about stuff like this. Uh, make sure you have a good time out there and make sure you put 100 on black for me. Um, <laughs> just, you know, you know if you lose, take it out of my salary. It should be really interesting, um, and I say this because when I do these trips and I go to these events, as you know, I get in the city and I get out. There's not a, like an extra day for leisure. There's usually not an extra day for fun. It's get in, get out, like get back home. So for this particular event, I'm flying in at 6 a.m. on Friday morning. So I leave Detroit at 6 a.m. I arrive in Vegas, I don't know, 6.45, 7 a.m. Uh, from there, I'm going to check in and drop off my stuff, and I'm probably going to sit by a pool for like two hours and at least see some sun. I'll go back, shower, change, and then it's right over to StarCast. Uh, got a lot of StarCast events to do the whole day, and then further in that day, we have the weigh-ins for All Elite, as well as the press conference for All Elite. There's the roast of Ric Flair there, so many podcasts, so much more. I know Anthony Suter from Smart to that's going to be there. We'll meet up. He's doing some of the StarCast events. Um, I originally wasn't going. Now I am going to the StarCast events, so I'm sure we'll get something on there. And then Saturday's a big day. It is double or nothing live MGM Garden Arena, Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, I'm so excited for the atmosphere there because going to the events that are non-WrestleMania, the Thursday, the Friday, WrestleMania weekend, those fans are always so nice. And you've seen some of them, you've met some of them. It's not to say WWE fans aren't nice either, but the more independent-style wrestling fans seem to be a lot nicer, and they're more willing to engage with other wrestling fans. And so being in Las Vegas, it should be extremely fun. It should be a cool environment. I'm looking forward to covering the show. There's going to be a lot of people I haven't met before there, and tons I've met many times. Um... And then after the show, there will be the post-show scrum press conferences that we'll be doing. Kind of get some interviews after the show with a bunch of workers and talent from the show. And then I'm back on a flight and off to the airport 
um, that evening, 12.58 a.m., back to Detroit. Yeah, and, and you know what? I am a witness to this. And I know we're over time, but you're my boss. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, you're good. Um, I've, so before me and Ben became a part of, of Wrestling News World, we've seen you at multiple WrestleManias, at multiple events, you know, because we, we kind of knew each other prior to, you know, we were aware of sure, each sure. other. And, I, and I've seen, you know, as far as the business goes, that you're all business. And to this day, the most amazing thing I've ever seen Ben Conrad do was WrestleMania New York actually convince you to take two hours out of your schedule to sit at a bar, just drink with us, and then do a podcast afterwards. I, I still have no idea how he talked you into taking time out of your day for that. I was so behind the rest of the day after that. Like, just <laughs> so incredibly behind. But uh, it was a really cool experience. And, you know, like you'd mentioned, I mean, when you were doing these events, it's all about the company, it's the professionalism. But I think you remember, and, and you were there, it was... um. New Orleans WrestleMania weekend when I left from Ring of Honor to go to NXT and then NXT to Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor back to NXT and then back to Ring of Honor to finish out the show. Like, it becomes challenging at times and I try to do my absolute best to get any supporter of the site from the podcast or myself whatever footage or whatever information they want from said shows. But it does make it extremely challenging sometimes when you're in and out of these cities. I, I know. I remember New Orleans. I remember me and Ben bumped into you, and you said, "Hey, I'm I'm going to the Ring of Honor press conference. What bar are you guys going to be at?" And mm-hmm. we told you, and we get to the bar, and I'm like, "Yeah, Tom's going to come up and have a have a drink with us afterwards." And you came in, you bought me and Ben a drink. You didn't drink. You hung out for probably about ten minutes, and then we're like, "Okay, guys, I, I got more stuff I got to do." And then you laughed, and me and Ben just kind of looked at each other. We're like, "Dude, we we've been in this bar for like three hours." I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so, isn't that the truth? <laughs> yeah, every every year, man. So, but Tom, thanks for coming on. Um, really appreciate you dropping your your business knowledge with all this AEW stuff going on. Uh, like you mentioned, you are going to have a ton of coverage for this AEW event. I really encourage people to jump on Wrestling News World. I know that there's going to be a lot of free stuff out there, and if you want to get really deep into it, you got to get on Wrestling News World Premium site. Um, Tom goes really in-depth with a lot of this. Um, He reports on things that no other website reports on. Um, It's really, really worth it if you are a wrestling fan, if you are into this stuff, so check it out. And then, of course, look for us on Wrestling News World every weekend. Ben Conrad, as long as he can talk and as long as he's able to drink again, you know, he should be back this weekend in time for Money in the Bank, which we will get everybody's opinion on. Um, Wrestling News World is also the home of multiple podcasts, including Smart to Death. Make sure you listen to all of them. All of them are great. You can also find us on any podcast streaming platform there is. So your Google podcast, your Apple podcast, all that fun stuff. Tom, you got anything for the people before we get out of here? No, man, I, I think it a, was a very exciting day for many people. Many non-believers are now believing. I had tweeted something out this morning that said, uh, well, we can officially put to bed the worst hot take in the history of wrestling that AEW is a t-shirt company until they get a TV deal. That is officially dead. AEW is officially a wrestling company today if they weren't before. And the business just changed. You can follow me at Thomas Fenton, WNW, and also, obviously, WrestlingNewsWorld.com. It is going to be a long week. I'm sure I will have more on the AEW television deal this evening and into tomorrow. My assumption is we will not have a set date for their weekly program for another month. 
but that's not for sure. We could all find out tomorrow. Who knows? But it wasn't originally planned for another month or so. So there you go. So keep your eyes glued to Wrestling News World, and, and let's see if it happens. With that being said, we will catch you next, or no, not next week. We're going to catch you this weekend with Ben Conrad. Guy with a cool voice, take us out. Thank you for listening to Throw the Podcast. Join us again next week for even more wrestling commentary.